From Points Across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. Hello and welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion Disneyland Edition for the week of October 25th, 2012. I'm your host Tom Bell and I'm joined by our Disneyland team, Nancy Johnson, Wayne Toygo, Mary Jo Mulata-Willy, and Tony Spatel. In this segment, Wayne has one of his patented history segments, this time focusing on the Haunted Mansion. Mm. Perfect for Halloween. Thanks, Tom. When hinges creak in doorless chambers, and strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls, whenever candlelights flicker where the air is deathly still, that is the time when ghosts are present, practicing their terror with ghoulish delight. It's 1977, and I was in my 20s, and was about to make my first trip to Disneyland. I was a little too young to have watched the original Disneyland TV show back then, but was a big fan of the wonderful world of color. And every time they featured stories about Disneyland, I was glued to the TV. Remember, these were the days before cell phones, the Internet, or even personal computers. The only info we had back then was books and newspapers and magazines and television. So I soaked it in as much as possible whenever they talked about Disneyland, and especially whenever they talked about featured attractions. Well, seeing Disneyland for the first time was overwhelming, and the friends I was with at the time took me from attraction to attraction. But there was one attraction amongst all the others that I was really looking forward to. I had heard so many things from watching it on TV to the stories from my friends at home who had gone to visit. We turned the corner from New Orleans Square, and there it was, the Haunted Mansion. At first, it seemed a little small, just an old Southern-style home. We made our way inside, and I saw my first effect. The chandeliers held what looked like candles, but the candles weren't burning. They were these special bulbs which looked like flames. And the bulbs were flickering, but they weren't all flickering together, like as if they were all tied to some flashing electrical circuit. Instead, they were almost flickering randomly. How'd they do that? I remember making my way past the long wall of paintings that were changing shapes every so often. The effect back then was quite different than it is today. At that time, the pictures seemed to slowly morph from one form to another and then back again. Then as I walked past the pair of statues that appeared to be watching me as I passed... At first I thought there was some kind of electric eye that triggered as I walked by, and the small statues were timed to turn as I passed. Some of you younger folks probably don't know, even know the term electric eye. That was a gadget that was used long before motion sensors. A beam of light was focused on this special sensor, and when the beam was broken, it would trigger some kind of action. Well, that was pretty popular in haunted houses back then. So I stopped walking to see if the statues continued turning, but surprisingly, they also stopped and continued looking at me. 
I backed up just a step, and they responded by turning the other direction, continuing to watch my movements. Well, this was a bit disturbing, and I continued on. I finally boarded the ride vehicle and watched as the sights and sounds of the interior of the mansion were revealed. It didn't take long, and after the first turn, I was presented with a floating candlestick. This wasn't a projector trick, and from where I sat, it didn't look like it was being done with wires, which was also a popular way to do special effects back then. I only saw it for a second, but there really was only one reasonable explanation. The candlestick was floating in the air. (laughs) I moved down the hallway and into the circular room containing what we know as Madame Leota. This was an effect I was familiar with, but this one was done very well. In fact, it was done so well that I wondered if I was looking at the same effect. Finally, my vehicle spun around and revealed what I had been waiting to see since I first heard about the haunted mansion, the ballroom scene. It was just as magnificent as I had imagined. The ghosts were moving amongst the furnishings and decorations, They passed in and out of the room and danced across the floor. I was awestruck. Even the paintings in the room came alive. I had no idea how all this could be done. The dancers were simply on the floor, and it seemed like you could almost see through them. And at the end of the room was the grand organ. I was already a very large organ music enthusiast, and the little church where I grew up had a tracker-style organ very similar to this one. Wisps of steam appeared to be coming from the pipes, but as I looked closer, I could see that they were really little skulls. How could they do all of that? I moved through the attic scene, and as I exited that room... I was presented with a view that was the most impressive sight I had ever seen. And to this day, no other effect made a bigger impact on me, and I'll bet that most of you, you almost look past it and pay no attention at all. Remember, I'm still relatively young and impressionable. Modern technology was just emerging, And most effects were done either with models or trick photography. One of the effects I had never seen done effectively anywhere was that of a realistic-looking ghost appearing in the same space as I was. My vehicle passed out of the attic and into the graveyard, and right before me, there they were. Ghosts. Ghosts rising out of the graveyard into the air. I could see the trees, and directly in front of me, that was real. I could see the graves and the other scenery in the background. That was real. And right in the middle were moving ghosts. You could just barely see through them, but they were there. I stared. I'm sure my jaw dropped wide open. I strained my eyes to get a good look. This was more than how did they do that. There was no other explanation. The ghosts were simply there. To this day, every time I enter the graveyard, be it at Disneyland or Disney World, and I'm reminded of that first impression of that one scene, I smile a little. 
Of course, I know a lot more about the technologies now, but that doesn't matter. When I visit the Haunted Mansion, I'm not just going on the ride. I'm part of the experience. I've said it before about other attractions, and maybe this is why I have so much fun. Maybe a different kind of fun at these types of experiences. I can see cool effects at the movies. I can ride pirates and observe what's going on. But in Mansion, I am walking through the house, and I am part of the experience. For me, it's first person. Well, there are only a few attractions at Disneyland that can truly be classified as classic attractions. Certainly, Pirates of the Caribbean is one of them, and Jungle Cruise, too. But for other all-time classic attractions, it is the Haunted Mansion. It is used as a yardstick by which all other newer attractions are measured. And although you might see as long a queue line as, say, Indiana Jones... If you poll guests and ask, what is your favorite attraction? Or, if you could ride one attraction at Disneyland today, what would it be? You'd be amazed at how often the Haunted Mansion is named. There is an incredible amount of information about the Haunted Mansion. In fact, it would be fair to say that there is more information and more fan groups and more stories and legend and lore about the Haunted Mansion than any other Disney attraction. There is no way that I can cover even the majority of the Haunted Mansion items in just one segment. In fact, we could probably build a full podcast around the Haunted Mansion itself. All that being said, let me see if I can hit some of the more interesting aspects of the mansion. First, let's take a look at how this classic attraction came to be. Haunted house attractions have been an amusement park standard for decades. Even county fairs and state fairs had some form of a walk-through haunted house. Most of the effects took the form of static displays or very rudimentary characters that moved back and forth on what's called a cam that was powered by an electric motor. For the most part, haunted houses were kind of silly, even if they were designed to be serious, and weren't much more than an addition to some of the other kinds of amusements that were available at the time. Believe it or not, the idea for the haunted house attraction at Disneyland goes back to before the park was built. When Walt Disney first put together his team, one of the early designers, named Harper Goff, came up with a sketch of an old home on a hill above Main Street. After Disneyland opened, Imagineer Ken Anderson took the idea that Goff came up with and started designing a new attraction. By then, the area between Adventureland and the far part of Frontierland was being designed with a New Orleans theme. A little while later, plans were announced to the guests that that area would be called New Orleans Square. It would include a thieves' market, a pirate wax museum, and a haunted house walkthrough. Remember that rides were still fairly expensive and walkthrough type attractions were less expensive and didn't require much development. 
Ken Anderson's early designs showed a southern-style mansion in disrepair with an unkept landscaping. However, the story goes that Walt really didn't fancy the dilapidated look and instead preferred a nicer-looking building. I read one story that suggested that this was when Walt said that famous line, We'll take care of the outside and let the ghosts take care of the inside. (laughs) Walt visited and was very intrigued with an actual house out of, out in the area of California near where I live, near San Jose. It's called the Winchester Mystery House. It's been around since the late 1800s and has a very strange story in itself. Basically, the house was owned by the Winchester family of the Winchester uh, Rifle. The widow of Winchester himself, named Sarah Winchester, inherited the house, but she was pretty superstitious and definitely believed in ghosts. This was already a huge mansion, and the ghost told Sarah that in order to appease the people that had been killed by Winchester's rifle, she would have to make, are you ready for this, non-stop construction to her house, to the mansion, for as long as she lived. Construction started then and was non-stop around the clock seven days a week. And the things that Walt saw there were the things that intrigued him. Specifically, there were stairs that went to nowhere. There were doors that opened up into walls. There were other doors that opened up into a dead drop to a story below. There was a lot of inspiration there at the Winchester Mystery House for what eventually might become Disney's Haunted House. Well, as you know, all Disney attractions have some kind of story. This was extremely important for the Haunted Mansion. Ken Anderson came up with many stories for the mansion, including a sea captain who killed his bride, another ghostly wedding party, and included some of the even uh, previous Disney villains. There were even some stories that included the monsters from Universal Studios. All these ideas were thrown around as possibilities. Two Imagineers, Raleigh Crump and Yale Gracie, were tasked with designing the attraction based on the Ken Anderson stories. They started building effects up in the Walt Disney Studios, and they played with dozens of those effects and storylines. In 1961, it was decided that the Haunted Mansion would be a walk-through attraction housed in an antebellum mansion located in New Orleans Square. Disneyland guests were told that the attraction would open two years later in 1963. Construction began in 62, and the exterior mansion was completed in 63. However... Remember that we're talking about, when we were talking about Club 33, Mm -hmm. the entire Imagineering staff was diverted to work on the New York World's Fair from 64 to 65, which delayed the progress on the mansion. After the fair, several other Imagineers were involved in the mansion project, including Mark Davis, Exitensio, and Claude Coates. 
Rolly Crump was still working and showed Walt an idea for what he called a Museum of the Weird, which was to be either a Q-line-type entertainment or possibly part of a restaurant, which would be beside the mansion, similar to the Blue Bayou at Pirates of the Caribbean. Walt liked the idea, but as you will see, the restaurant and the museum never made it to the final design. Mark Davis and Claude Coates became the mansion's main designers. However, both of them had very different ideas about the story and the theming for the attraction. Mark designed most of the characters and wanted a funny attraction that was full of gags. Claude thought the attraction should be more scary, and he designed the scenic areas like the endless hallway the corridor of doors, and the other more scary scenes. Believe it or not, eventually it was Exitensio who helped put it all together with the ideas from both designers. There were many other Imagineer designers and ideas for the attraction, and as I said before, we could spend a whole segment just on early ideas and the various backstories of the Haunted Mansion that never was. But for now, let's press on. In 65, a preview of the Haunted Mansion was featured on The Wonderful World of Color. This is probably one of the episodes I saw. And just like Club 33, the Haunted Mansion was delayed when Walt died in 1966. After that, the Haunted Mansion project changed significantly. With the success of the Omnimover ride system at the World's Fair... Imagineers redesigned the attraction from a walkthrough to one using the new Omnimover, which had also been used on the Adventures Through Inner Space attraction. The Museum of the Weird restaurant idea was abandoned. This solved several concerns. First, walkthrough attractions traditionally had very low capacity because guests would take their time in the attraction. The Omnimovers could handle a much greater capacity. Also, because you could control the direction the vehicle was facing, it would allow the Imagineers to better direct what the guests in each vehicle would see at any particular time. The ride vehicles were named Doom Buggies. The new audio-animatronics characters were utilized throughout the attractions along with an impressive number of special effects. Many of the effects had their roots in old movie or stage productions, but had been really stepped up by the Imagineers to a whole new level. Producing the integrated and synchronized soundtrack was a monumental task in itself. The Haunted Mansion theme song, Grim Grinning Ghosts, was written by Buddy Baker, but the lyrics were written by Exitensio. <laughs> it takes dozens of music tracks to make up all the different sounds of the characters and effects. And because the theme song is playing in one form or another throughout most of the attraction, all the tracks have to be synced together. With the technology available in the late 60s, that alone was an impressive effect. 
However, each particular sound segment throughout the entire attraction is just one minute long. Your doom buggy is constantly moving, so you never notice the repeat, and the end of each segment fits nicely with the start of that same segment, so you never notice where the stop-start is. It's just like one continuous track, but in fact, it is dozens of separate one-minute-long tracks, all played at the same time. The ghost host, who is heard throughout the attraction, is performed by Paul Fries, who is used in several roles throughout Disneyland. One of the singers of the Grim Grinning Ghost song, and also the voice and face of one of the singing busts in the graveyard, is another famous Disney performer, Thurl Ravenscroft. There are many rumors and stories that are circulating near the time that the attraction opened. Even the opening date is somewhat in question. According to the schedule, Disneyland had previews on August 9th and 10th in 1969. There was a press event on the 11th, and the attraction was fully open to the public on August 12th. But at that time, the term soft opening didn't exist, and today Disneyland lists the official opening as the first day the public was allowed to enter the Haunted Mansion, as August 9th, 1969. The public response was incredible. After all, they'd been looking at the completed mansion structure since 1963, but now everyone could finally go inside. In fact, shortly after the mansion opened, Disneyland set an attendance record with over 82,000 guests. That would be enormous, even by today's standards. Over the years, there have been various discussions about changes and improvements to the Haunted Mansion including bringing back some of the ideas that Raleigh Crump invented. Some Imagineers were too, weren't too satisfied with how the mansion eventually turned out. But the overwhelming guest reaction has made the Haunted Mansion one of the most popular attractions in the park, even today. There have been a few technology improvements over the years, but the basic effects and sounds have remained the same. The biggest enhancement to the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland came in 2001. Following the success of Tim Burton's film The Nightmare Before Christmas, Disneyland premiered the most impressive expansion overlay that any Disney park has seen to this day, the Haunted Mansion Holiday. And here, boy, we could really spend a few shows talking (laughs) just about this one special creation. And last year, we did spend a few shows talking about Haunted Mansion Holiday. An overlay is when Disney rethemes some or all of an attraction for a short or seasonable amount of time and uses the basic ride components to enhance the attraction into a new experience. Well, with Haunted Mansion Holiday, we have much more than just an overlay. This becomes a whole new attraction. I won't spend the time here talking about it, even though I wish we could, and I love it more than anything else, and I wish it could stay year-round. 
But I know that there are many of our listeners who haven't seen Haunted Mansion Holiday. Some of you haven't even been to Disneyland. What? We've all That's said it. <laughs> We've all said this before, and it bears repeating. This is one attraction. Haunted Mansion Holiday is worth seeing and is worth making your visit to see. Whether you're a fan of Nightmare Before Christmas or not, Haunted Mansion Holiday is just spectacular. In 2006, there were some improvements to the attic scene with the introduction of a new bride. The new bride, named Constance, is fantastic, and she and the changes they made to the attic help to enhance her story. This is one of those interesting aspects of the mansion. There are actually several stories of the bride and of the character in the stretching room portraits who is sitting on top of the gravestone of George. There seems to be multiple backstories of the bride and the various characters throughout the mansion. But the one that seems to have been, seems to have survived the most is the current bride in the attic. Constance has, it said to the story goes, at least five husbands and unfortunately has killed all of them. But there's another story that involved a character called the Hatbox Ghost that was in the attraction when it first opened. But that character didn't last long, and many, including me, want to see that character eventually return. Well, there are so many other stories, and again, we just can't cover everything here. And there's also a lot of stories about some of the other technologies around the mansion. For example, and I'm not going to talk a bunch about spoiler stuff, but... Oh, come on... Let's talk about the stretching room. When you first enter the mansion, you go right into a portrait gallery. And that's where you're sealed in and the room seems to magically stretch right in front of you. Those of us who have been around Disneyland for any length of time know that, in addition to being a stretching room, this is an elevator. And there are lots of folks out there who don't really understand why it's an elevator. And the answer is very simple. The Disneyland Railroad goes right behind the Haunted Mansion. But the ride itself isn't in the building that we see from New Orleans Square. Just like some of the other attractions around Disneyland, whether it's Pirates of the Caribbean or Small World or the Haunted Mansion, The main part of the ride is in a whole separate building. And that building is, for the Haunted Mansion, on the other side of the berm that holds the Disneyland Railroad. So how are we going to get the guests from the front part of the mansion, through the railroad, and back to the show building that's on the other side? Well, the answer is, of course, we go under the berm. We use the stretching room elevator to take us down underneath the property. And as we're going past the portrait gallery that's on the exit of the stretching room, we're actually going underneath the railroad tracks. By the time we get to the loading area, we're inside the show building 
and then we go through the ride itself, and when we exit, the escalator that takes us back up to the top brings us again back underneath the railroad and back up to New Orleans Square. That's just one of many effects. We mentioned Madame Leota. Madame Leota is actually a pretty popular Disneyland person. The character for the face that we see in the globe is named Leota Tombs. That's the person that we see in the globe, but the voice is another person. And there was a lot of work on synchronizing the voice with the character movements. And in fact, there's another interesting story. The daughter of Leota Tombs, her name is Kim Irvine. Kim Irvine also works for Disneyland and has been involved in many projects. But the one we know the most is Kim Irvine's role in the Haunted Mansion Holiday. She reprieved, reprised her mother's role as Madame Leota for Haunted Mansion Holiday. Let's go over to the ballroom scene. There is a ton of special effects inside the ballroom. And without talking about all the special effects themselves, we all know that when you enter the ballroom, you're positioned right in front of a huge piece of glass that you look through to see down into the ballroom itself. Well, guests aren't always the most nice whenever they come into theme parks, and believe it or not, many of you know this story, someone actually put a bullet hole through the one of the glass parts early on when the attraction was brand new. Well, the question became, well, why don't you fix the hole? These are big pieces of glass. In fact, there's only four pieces of glass in the entire ballroom, and they're two stories high each. The pieces of glass are so large that in order to replace them, they have to take the ride itself offline for several days, bring in a huge crane, and take the roof off the haunted mansion in order to retrofit the glass panes. No wonder they've never changed it. That's completely right. They've only done it a couple of times, and I read a story some time ago that said they only manufactured a few of those glass panes because they were so large. And to this day, I believe, decorated by a spider web, that one broken glass pane still exists. And as we know, every... Every attraction around Disneyland somewhere has a hidden Mickey, and one of the most famous and one of the easiest to find once you know about it is the hidden Mickey that's inside the ballroom. Now, the Imagineers hate it. Every time they go in for refurbishment, the Imagineers clean things up, and they take it out. And as soon as they go away, the ride operators go into the ballroom, and rearrange the place settings (laughs) on the table inside the ballroom. So next time you're riding through, look very carefully. In fact, I've even seen it every once in a while in Haunted Mansion Holiday. I haven't seen if it's there this year or not. Of course, yeah, it's there. It's there. But you'll see a place setting 
the no. main plate forms Mickey's head, and the bread plate and the appetizer plate form his ears. Now, why do the Imagineers hate it? Because they tend to put a lot of them in, too. Is it just that it's too obvious, or...? For whatever think- reason... They just, it's not part of their design. And in fact, if you think about it, the Haunted Mansion is one of the very few attractions at Disneyland that has no animated Mickey, animated Disney characters at all. Mickey nor none of his pals appear in character form. In fact, except for some of the other ideas, there really aren't any other Disney characters in the Haunted Mansion at all. There certainly were a lot of storylines that were supposed to include several of them. But as it stands right now, there aren't any movie characters that appear inside the Haunted Mansion. I mentioned the soundtrack. We could go on for days about how amazing this soundtrack is. And if you are a big enthusiast of this attraction, I recommend you go into one of the various uh, Disney stores and look for a CD. It's in a purple cover, and it's called Haunted Mansion. And it was released a few years ago at the uh, 40th anniversary of the Haunted Mansion attraction. It includes... A number of really great tracks, including all the test tracks for the ballroom organ. And the way they've organized this is they've put them all together. So it winds up being like a 10-minute long piece with all these different variations. It's just wonderful. It also includes each individual track that you hear on the ride attraction for the Grim Grinning Ghost song. So you hear each little piece, the minute-long segment for every character that's in the graveyard scene. It's great. You get to hear, finally, all the individual variations of what all of those characters are singing. And speaking of the graveyard scene, we didn't mention the special characters that bid you farewell as you're exiting, and that's the hitchhiking ghosts. And even they have a little backstory. Their names are Phineas, Ezra, and Gus. There's just, there's so many stories, so much detail, so many things going on, and volumes written about the effects that go on. There's even a good deal of folklore surrounding the mansion. And sometimes, even for me, it's hard to separate what's a myth, what's a legend, and what's real. For the longest time as I was growing up, I heard about a mysterious person. I think it was a lady who was supposed to be walking around on the third floor of the mansion. Now, of course, this was folklore, but what I didn't know was... Was this part of, was part of this sort of real? Was there a character or a, a player of some kind who was up there walking around? And the way you could tell that they were walking is there was supposed to be a floating candle. And every so often you were supposed to see the dimly lit image of a candle passing by one of the windows on the upper floors. 
I swear I used to see this some years ago, but I have parked myself in front of the mansion in recent years looking, staring at that upper floor. I haven't seen it for a while. Now, I don't know if the ghost is just on holiday (laughs) or if I'm just missing it for a while. But I'll tell you one thing. If you go see the Haunted Mansion holiday and you look up towards the cupola, you're definitely in for a surprise because the ghost with the candle definitely returns at that time of year. Ooh, I'm going to look for it. And one of the best little effects is when you exit the, mu- the, the, the mansion itself. Many folks don't pay attention because once you're out, you're off to the other attractions. But next time you're there, turn around. Take a look at what you're leaving. You're actually leaving from the family mausoleum. <laughs> You've escaped successfully. Mm. One last thing I'll touch on here, and that's the pet cemetery. We all know about the pet cemetery that's in front of the mansion, right there towards the side of the mansion entrance area, but that was the second pet cemetery. Originally, guests entered the front of the mansion the way they do now, but the handicapped entrance was over towards the side. It was on the far right side of the mansion, and there was an open door in the lobby area that looked out onto the landscaping lawn that was just to the right of the main entrance. Well, in that lawn, they had created the original pet cemetery. And guess what? It's still there. And it doesn't take anything for you to go up and ask one of the Haunted Mansion cast members if you can go look at the other pet cemetery. And unless they're really busy, most of them are more than happy to take you down what's now the new handicapped area and take you back to see the original pet cemetery. There's not much there. There's just a few statues, but what is there is very interesting, and it dates back to the very beginning of this attraction. It's really cool. You should take a look. Well, there will never be enough said about the Haunted Mansion. I think that every guest who has ever visited Disneyland has probably visited the mansion. To say it's a classic is almost an understatement. Of all the attractions at Disneyland, I feel safe in saying that the Haunted Mansion will always be there for us to enjoy and to marvel at. It stirs something inside you if you allow it to. It certainly affects different folks in different ways. For those of us, like me, who are allow ourselves to become part of the experience... There's a connection there that isn't fulfilled by anything else at the park. It's always one of the attractions I ride on the first day of any Disney vacation, no matter which coast I'm on. And it's always the last attraction I ride before leaving to go home. It's my favorite attraction. It always was, and quite probably always will be. So if you would like to join our jamboree, there's a simple rule that's compulsory. Mortals pay a token fee. Rest in peace. 
the hauntings free. So hurry back. We would like your company. Back to you, Tom. Thank you, Wayne. That is going to do it for this segment of the Diz Unplugged. Be sure to catch our other Disneyland shows this week. And we'll be back again with you in two weeks. Until then, remember, Disneyland is always more magical than it's shared. Thanks for listening.